Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. hostess tonight most of the gang is here but more importantly the polar bear is here in 1995, in 1995, a team of paranormal travel podcasters found an abandoned cub in the haunted Arctic. After some kick-ass paranormal training and his first alien kill, he was ready. He was ready. So, if ghosts, serial killers, or monsters in the dark got you scared, don't hesitate to call the Polar Bear. The Polar Yes. It's perfect. So, side note, we do actually have the gang's all here theme song. (laughs) But we don't have the gang. Is it just that? The gang's all here. What is that from? No, I don't know. It's not just that. It's from 10, or how to lose a guy in 10 days. Is it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Can you? Every time. Well, since he's doing that. Yeah, so have you seen that movie with Kate Hudson? Yeah. It's when she is setting up his house and bringing in the love fern and stuff. She's like, the gangs are all here. Fiona and blah, blah, blah. And she's talking about all the girls that she put into his, like, record thing. Okay. All right. But we, I have not, they have not heard the theme song because. Negatory. For one, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And two, the panda's not here to give his panda bear opinion. Okay, so you mean to tell me we don't get to hear the song. Even though we're here and we showed up for you tonight. Yes, Chewie's Rose. here. And just because <laughs> panda's not here, we don't get to listen to it. Well, that and my computer's doing something funny. <laughs> uh, you saw it before we started recording. Right, whatever, fair enough. Okay. Chewie, you're coming home with me as a consolation prize. Okay. So tonight, we're actually going to recognize mothers, or rather, the not-so-good mothers. Last year, or the year prior, we did Mommy Dearest series, and this year, we're kind of bringing it back, bringing back a few Mommy Dearest to acknowledge that there are some pretty horrific mommies out there. Yes, I would like to state that Brutus did do a Mommy Dearest, right? Yes, he did. And I I tried to get him to come tonight, and he refused. So shout out to Brutus. Show up next time. Okay. (laughs) Just publicly shaming him in hopes that it helps. Okay. (laughs) They're not related in any way. Okay, so who are we talking about today? Who's our Mommy Dearest tonight? Oh, you you want me to introduce I want you to try it, and then I'll try it. I'll Uh, see who says it better. Florida Lee. Dos Santos de Souza. Floralie dos Santo, Santos de Souza. She, okay. she Google translated in the mirror I did before not. she came here. Well, so Floralie <laughs> is a French word, right? Yes. For Lily. Which gives you the impression that this mommy is French, but I don't think she She's is. She's not. She's Brazilian. Yeah. But I don't think her name is actually pronounced Floralie like the French word Lily. I think it's actually Floralise. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure, so I only refer to her as De Souza. Okay. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, we're going to fuck a lot of people up because I'll just do Florida Lee the entire time. We'll see time. where we're going. We'll just pivot. Today's episode is brought to you by Slusher Sam. Her idea. <laughs> yes, this woman. We need to talk about this woman. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that was the thing. And I started looking into it, and I was like, that's actually really interesting. And it's really relevant because... 
the events actually take us up to until 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty current. It is very recent, yes. So, D'Souza. All right, so... Florida Lee. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start out. I'm gonna do like a little background on her, and uh, I'm gonna do one side of the coin. And I feel like Sam's gonna do a completely different side of that same coin. Florida Lee was born February 5th, 1961. February birthday. I like it. Was born in Jacarezinho, in Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil, in 1961. Her father was a small town musician, and her mother was a teacher. And they lived in a favela. So to get a little bit off topic here, I'm going to cover a little bit what a favela is. And uh, just to give you a background on what kind of environment our main character grew up in. The only other word that I can think of to describe a favela is is like a ghetto. So a favela exists when uh, homeless people or squatters take over a location. Naturally, it is a poorest part of the town. In Brazil... Favelas surround major cities such as Rio de Janeiro. For example, favelas are those houses you see in movies. They're stacked on top of each other. When, when you see any movie that has Rio de Janeiro in it, they pan out, right? They, they, you have the statue of the big guy with the arms uh, straight Right, up, right, the statue. Right? And then around it, you just see those little houses, and they're all multicolored, pink, purple, yellow, very mm-hmm. bright. But... They, they literally look like they're stacked on top of each other. Okay. Uh, and they're really close together. So it's jam-packed. Jam-packed, tiny little alleyways. And yeah, because you want to try to get as many people in as possible in a small amount of space. And the more you build up, the cheaper it is. Right. And, I mean, f- favelas, they, they get no aid from, like, lo- local government or anything. And they're they're actually ran by local gangs. It, it, it's so bad there. It breeds gang members, growing gang culture due to lack of opportunities and resources. Kids in favelas join gangs at a very early age and have access to, like, arsenals of weapons. It's mild to say it's like a wild, wild west ruled by guns and drugs. Yeah, it gives me kind of a Sinaloa vibe. Okay. So, yeah, favelas originated, uh, the, the Brazilian favelas originated in 1800s when tens of thousands of veterans came to Brazil and had nowhere to live. So they settled in like the areas around big cities and they ended up bu- starting to build these homes out of scraps and like whatever they could find. Because they were so poor and yeah, didn't so have a whole lot of opportunity to. And now when you look at them, a lot of them are made out of concrete and stuff, but they're not up to regulation. Right. They <laughs> wouldn't know? pass. Yeah. So it's just, you know. Well, who's going to tell the a, cartel that yeah. they cut, make shortcuts? It's just a roof over, over the head, you know. So now, actually, it's kind of kind of sad because more than 11 million people in Brazil live in one of the favelas. It's really bad there. This is So throughout time, uh, a lot of religious leaders found their way into uh, favelas because because of how bad it is and you know they w- when the times are hard that's when people uh, start relying ha- on their faith yeah, happen to turn to religion and whatnot so yeah so you know religious leaders came here and they found it really easy to convert people to their religion because in such dark times it's easy to look for the light and i mean i don't know have we ever discussed religion kind of like here and cults. there? Cults. Cults, but like religion itself. I think religion what's is your, a cult. What's your opinion? Yeah. yeah, yeah no, I think it is. Yeah. And I think it promotes one gender and one race. I think that it's a topic that makes it really easy to manipulate people. So Absolutely. I think that religion in its basis and having faith and faith and beliefs are a good thing. But I think that it's just so easy because everything that we have in religion is handed down by men, which means they can be corrupted by men. And and who's the who's the person in charge? Men. Who's the person not in charge? Not women. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you see this one, and this is a woman too that is also awful. But it's just whenever you tell someone you need to follow me blindly for your soul to be saved. It's inherently giving them too much power over someone. Correct. Else. So Correct. I just don't vibe with that. And also, I was. Raised Catholic. And well, you know, the other thing, thing about the Catholic is the Catholic religion, they gave you an out. You confess your sins, you're good. Say a couple of Hail Marys, right. you're good. And, I mean... But confess your sins to men that we come to find out have been molesting children. Correct. So Not necessarily... It's actually mostly boys. Right. So and Not all priests, 
Not no, all no, religions. No, we're not. But I just that. don't vibe with it. You know, just right. to me, organized religion Once. gives someone too much power. <laughs> I think we veered really off course. Well, no, no, I, I like it. That's I, that was. I literally have it in parentheses. We're going to discuss faith altogether. <laughs> I, I am fucking this right there. I love your min- your notes. They um, kill me. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, he's the no, white I, guy I, with blonde hair and blue <laughs> eyes in the room. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, there's throughout history, there's been more blood spilled in the name of God than there has been in any other, for any other reason. Justification. Yeah. Or, or cry of justification. Correct. Right. And I mean, it in, in turns, I mean, depending on each religion, just turns people against each other. And then, like you said, uh, maybe, maybe originally it started out something good, something pure, but people themselves have screwed it up. I mean, have you, I, I mean, have you ever heard of it, like a miracle, like a legit miracle, like something really good has happened? Not really. But then, like every other day, you're like, "Oh, fucking!" All this horrible. Yeah, stuff. all these horrible things that go on, and then the cult, the cultiness, the manipulation of people, and then that that is literally the exact opposite of a miracle. And well, I will point this out. Do you know who owns the biggest museum in the world? The Pope. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, it's actually accurate that if you walk through the Vatican at any given time and look at every piece, you'd be there for like three days if you looked at every piece for 15 minutes. It's insane. But what you see is just a portion of what they actually own. Well, and mind you, there's no penises on anything anymore because we cut them all off. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? I, like they I, we didn't. They but. destroyed these things too cuz like that's how important art was to them. Like they didn't care. Like you said they had so many riches they're like, "Yeah, we'll destroy this stuff." But my point is is that they part of how they inherited was that people who were dying were like, "This is my gift, my right. way to get into heaven." Mm-hmm. And so they gave to the Catholic Church. Well, and I've said this before, you know, I was baptized Catholic. And, I mean, I kind of had some problems with it, but it wasn't until I learned that they assisted the goddamn Nazis with getting to Brazil and other parts of South America that I was like, I'm out. Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. I mean, I'm a strong believer that the only some of the times the only thing that gets you through is believing in a higher power or having faith that you're walking a path that you're meant to walk. But with politics, religion, anything... If you have an extreme version of it, if you have someone that's a diehard, it's going to not be good inherently. You know, right. many Christian people are like, here, here's my Bible. Don't do this while I go over here and do exactly mm-hmm. what I, I just told, told you not, not to, to do. do. And yes. I, I don't love that. There's so much hypocrisy in religion that doesn't vibe with me. Right. And I mean, are you are you doing good things just because you think they're good? Or are you doing it because of a consequence of going to hell or making right. it into heaven? Or, right. I mean, do doing you need the fear of eternal demise to, to, to be a good person? Or can you just wake up That's and a be a point. decent fucking person? That's a phenomenal point. You it's know? a day-by-day basis, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck some shit up today. Yeah. Well, can you not be a good person if you're gay? Because that's what the churches will tell you. And I don't think that's the truth at all. Right. And, you know, the thing that did always bother me is they tried to um, say that dogs or animals don't have souls. Fuck you. Yes, they do. Or what about tattoos? If I tattoo my body, I'm going straight to hell. I'm like, seriously? Why? Like, if I'm a good person and I give to others and I'm kind to other people, what the hell does my tattoo mean? You violated your temple. <laughs> oh, I violated my temple in many other ways Ooh. other than my tattoos. Suddenly we're not talking about Florida Lee's no, I mean, I was talking that. about booze and cigarettes. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> um, uh, I, another thing, I'll probably bring it up in one of our other topics coming up, but it's funny, like, when we go to concerts, we're really... Like hard rock fans and the, your people with tattoos are really scary people that right. everybody's afraid of are actually more i don't want to say friendly but they look out for each other mm-hmm. we were uh we were at aftershock in sacramento and this guy was drunk out of his mind like he was he couldn't stand and he's tipping over and he's got no friends and just random people grab him by the shirt and they just hold him up <laughs> and then he ended up leaning on somebody you know and somebody made sure he was safe you know i was like wow wow you know high fives anyway like we're it. completely off top all right <laughs> i like our tangents <laughs> he's all veering back veering back uh, he got two more pages to cover right <laughs> i did parenthesize. 
Anyway, back to Florida Lise. Her parents ended up one of those people that joined the church. The Pentecostal know. movement, to be exact. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is a quote directly from the internet. Pentecostalism, or classical Pentecostalism, is a Protestant, charismatic Christian movement that emphasizes direct personal experience of God through baptism with the Holy Spirit. Like other forms of event evangelical Protestant, yeah, Protestant. Maybe you should read this part. Protestantism, Pentecostalism, adheres to inerrancy of the Bible and the necessity of the new birth. An individual repenting of their sins and accepting Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. It is distinguished by belief in the baptism in the Holy Spirit that enables a Christian to live a spirit-filled and empowered life. And this is probably the most important sentence is, this empowerment includes the use of spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues and divine healing through faith. Okay. So. So just another real quick tangent. I love the speaking in tongues thing. The thing I like about speaking in tongues is there's a fine line between being like, demonically possessed and speaking in tongues because if you speak in latin in a like a creepy voice you're demonic but if you speak in tongues in a jolly spiritual voice you're holy okay i'm like how does that one work out kind of like which dunking yeah there's a, there's a little video sink, on you, it too. you're innocent if you float you're the devil's whore <laughs> right can't win yeah, uh, there was a little video on it, and the dude was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Was like Jesus. That you freaks know. me out. I cannot. People sit there. You, you have to sit through this shit. Like, if my homie invites me to church and someone starts speaking in tongues, I'm leaving in the middle of the service. I'm like, sorry, God, I got to go. <laughs> I feel like we lost a lot of religious. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Can of, we rate that? Like, fan do we base? get that yeah. data? <laughs> so the belief is through baptism and enough faith in God, one can gain you power of healing others you just have to believe really hard you know you have to let the holy spirit flow through you i did so, that with santa too that panned out well so florida lee was a really good singer she often sang at the church once she got older she began to preach at her church and lead prayers so the church was enough for her she wanted to save more people and began pre- preaching in the streets of the favela where she had multiple run-ins with the gangs and the gang leaders this is goes into this weird direction where it's a bunch of stories and we don't know if she told these stories herself or people came up with them and you know spread spread the word but the stories say that not only was she not harmed by the gangs but her preaching and her spreading the word of god would change their behavior it changed their lives they would you know they would convert and they would become a better person so she's suddenly this messiah yeah ghetto. yeah and she began to believe it herself that she was spiritually enlightened it said that she was very strong preacher and her crowds and followers grew very quickly in her 20s she married a man and had three children she also got a job as a school teacher as you would think finding a man in a ghetto he left her when she was 30 with three kids at this point she was a teacher and a preacher that rhymed and began preaching that she was getting visions uh from above she even developed a uh, group of disciples that would preach with her and they would go into the streets of uh, favelo at night and try to convert more of the local gang members and criminals to better men. So you, you know what that reminds me of? Watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember remember the preacher guy? Mm-hmm. He started out by himself, and then he developed that whole cult right. with the batons and shit. Uh-huh. I've never seen an episode. Really? Missing out. So after the, all the stories, her passionate preaching and beautiful voice, people started calling her a saint. Well, that escalated kind of quickly. Yeah. Oh, being the saint that she is, opened up her home to children in need. She served as a foster mom to many children. Kids would come stay at her house when they were in need. The word spread that it was a nice place to stay. And not only did Flora Delisa's house became a sanctuary for kids, it also became a place you would go to stay with her even though they had parents and they had a roof over their head. 
they heard that there was like it was a little more lenient there and they could hang out with their friends so they would just leave their home and go live with Lord Lee. Yeah, in all the articles I read they kept referring to them as street children. Right. That she had taken in and she claimed that she had rescued them from the lives of poverty and crime, which probably is true con- to some extent. Yeah, based on how bad it was there, but still. So one day, this is actually a pretty cool story. After preaching at a train station, a woman came up to Florida Lee and began, uh, begged her to save her baby. She then proceeded to tell her that she abandoned her child in an empty lot. So after some investigating, they found the baby exactly where the woman said the baby would be. And Florida Lee adopted the baby as her own. So at this point, go ahead. So this baby number four? No. So she, she had... Uh, kids staying with her already so that's that's what's there's a blurred line of what kids were hers what kids weren't hers right just because she was adopting them so we know for a fact she had three biological children and then she had various numbers of children that just kind of stayed and then a number of children that we'll kind of talk about that she adopted so yeah but at uh, at this point uh she she had a new husband and would you like to expand on that now or would you like to expand on that later uh no i mean i think this is a good thing to talk about so when she was 32 she met the teenage anderson who was 16 years old so she was 16 years his senior at the time that she met him in 1993 she was looking after her three biological children and per the articles that i read five street children at that time Got but that the right here. That is, those are facts. I got that in mind notes. Yeah, too. he was 16. Yes. Okay. So I think what really struggles with what I really struggle with is that she did actually seem to have really good intentions. Like she was really trying to do well for these people. And I'm not really sure where it turned, but we're finding right now that in 1993, meeting this Anderson to Carmo, that she. This is where it kind of There's starts shift to now. go the bad way. Yeah. Okay. So according to one of her adopted sons, De Corma was underage at the time. Like I said, he was 16 and he had officially moved in with the family as another adoptive son. But his adoption was never official. And in 1998. He ended up dating her biological daughter. Right. Prior to the marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, when, when he first started living with him, he was dating the... Uh, or. The daughter. Yeah, yes. he was dating the daughter. Oh, I think so they're about the same age. Stacy's mom's got to go oh, on. Oh yeah, kind of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so in 1998, she actually does marry him, but he's 21 at the time. Right. She had to wait. And well, she she swore when, once it was all found out, it was like she swore she didn't touch him until he was 18. But okay, yeah. And I don't know why of all the people that she adopted that this is the only one that the adoption quote unquote didn't go through on. Convenience, convenience. So, just saying. Anyway, uh, so after finding the baby, some time has passed, and the same lady shows up on uh, from the train station, shows up on their doorstep with 30-plus children that had no homes or parents. And, you know, even though her family lived in a two-bedroom home, she took them all in. She also made her good deeds well-known. She yeah yeah this is just a small house you know they're still living at the in the ghetto at this time. So what's this lady doing? Rounding up all the kids and just hey I got a lady for you. Yeah, she's like a pipe. Well yeah, um, the the story was that their parents were killed by like uh, I don't I don't think it was military it was like police brutality type like big incident or some shit and so all these kids were orphaned. Yeah, so this couple just to be clear took in fifty five children during their marriage. Okay, goddamn. So yeah. And yeah, like, she, how do you pay for that? I can barely <laughs> pay for three children. I know. And it's a two-bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, and I got and a five-bedroom and three baths, and it's still too small. W- once we get to the back, I'll, I'll kind of explain right. the, how the, the paying or whatever. Well, yes, right. We uh-huh. get an idea of how they start generating money. But at this time, I don't know how they're generating enough, okay. so yeah. to speak. It blew up, you know? This, this religious lady... Taking, do, all the, taking all these homeless children. It's kind of like, like giving your poor, your yeah, helpless. Yeah, Saint Souza, we'll take all the babies. Remember, the, her followers already think she's fucking she's God's That gift. was Italian. I don't okay, care. I only Italian. speak in Italian. I have one accent. Okay. It's Jersey or Italian Jersey. <laughs> okay. It's fine. 
So the media blew up her story and her good acts turned into a crime because the children were illegally harbored. So she was summoned to appear in court, but instead of going to court, she took all the children and she went into hiding, having more run-ins with gangs that also, you know, she showed up. She didn't go very far. It said no. that she went like 20 miles out. But yeah, she ran into another gang and they were like, what the hell are you doing with all these kids? Blah, 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 blah. Well, and also she's taking their foot soldiers. I mean, that's who they want, right? right. Gangs are right. going to target people without and family that need something. But per the story, you know, her adopting these kids was, uh, you know, so emotional and so tragic. Because even, I mean, even gang members have consciousness and they look out for families. And, Some of them. Well, yeah, whatnot. But anyway, it converted those gang man members to the point where, you know, they appealed to their human side. Because not only did they let her go, but also they helped her uh, find accommodations where she could stay hidden and harbor all the children to take care of okay to take care of yeah something else was going on there but i don't know if we ever figure that out so then she comes out of hiding and because like i mean it's not working her only really her only way out was to get in front of a camera and explain her side of the story like look at me i'm I'm this person i'm saving these people so with all the publicity that she received from that it seemed that even the judge uh, and the officials that accused her wanted her to turn herself in. They turned to her side and helped her not only financially but also legally adopting some of these children. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just because it blew up and even you know you know even nobody officials wanted need, to look bad. Yeah, need yeah, to be reelected. Like oh, the government's taking all these homeless kids away. So she actually got benefactors. Her benefactors also retrofitted her with a new home to house all the kids in a nicer part of Rio. So she's she's building. This is great. Mm-hmm. Things are going nice. And the publicity didn't stop there. Her e- extreme yet heartfelt act inspired a movie. The steady money flow gave them an opportunity to build their own church where both her and her husband preached and Lord Elise sang. She's then... I was going to say, they actually then go on to having nine churches. Yeah, yeah. She then put out her own musical album, which led her being invited to a show called Planet Susha, which in Brazil, it's equivalent to Ellen DeGeneres or uh, uh, Oprah. Oh, like a talk show. Yeah, Yeah, she's she's like really big. She's really famous. You know, you you get a boat. Right, and Uh, just for timeline's sake, so she met her now husband that was 16 in 1993, and... They get married in 1998, and now her first album is launching in 2010. Okay. So it's been a period it, it, of time. It's a long time, but yeah. But it, it is steps, though. She keeps climbing up. There's mm-hmm. not like, oh, shit, you know, a little backtrack. Uh, but even her first album, it doesn't do that great uh, sales-wise, but it gives her more publicity. But on, on that show, Susha was moved by her story and during the show announced that Floater Lee as a mother of the nation, a title she basked in for a really long time. So her, her popularity blew up and eventually helped her sign with a, rec- a recording agency and put out more albums, opened eight more churches, and even became an equivalent of a governor in Brazil in 2019. So a preacher, a singer, movie star, and a mother of the nation... It's only one side of Florida Lee's coin. Now, you said movie star. She got into acting? Yeah, well, the movie they made about her, she played herself. Oh, okay. She made, uh, yeah, that was, uh, she played herself, and then everybody else were uh, famous actor actors from uh, soap operas in Brazil. Okay. And just a little bit of some different stuff that I saw was that they, she, as we talked about, was on TV, and when they put her on TV, they very much portrayed her as, like, the devoted mother, the ideal mother. So, like, this is what we're aspiring to be towards. All of the mothers should be like her. Yeah, and she's, like, a straight tele-evangelical type of person, which, if we've learned anything from history, it is do not send them money, do not watch them on Sundays on your weird channels, don't do it. The movie, the actors worked, everything they would have got paid for the movie, they donated to her to take care of the kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like I said, I think her intentions started off good at first, and then it just kind of changes. And to be exact, it changes on the evening of June 15th, 2019. 
So just to go back just for one second real quick, because I forgot this. In 2018, D'Souza ran for Congress and won a seat in the lower house. So that was love the governor type of situation that we were talking about. And we'll come back to that. So remind me if I forget that. So late on the evening of June 15, 2019, DeCarmo and D'Souza left for a night out in Rio de Janeiro. So they were looking forward to a break because they had been so busy with all oh, these yeah. things that they were doing. They're all stressed and, you know. Right, they're busy. They have all these kids. And shit. Right, 50 children. Like, they got to go. So they head into Rio de, Rio de Janeiro and they go straight to the beach at Coco Cabana. And they strolled through the late night crowds stopping for a snack there's it's even said that he they're having such a great night that he gets on a chair and he's like saying teamo teamo just like feeding everybody because remember he's a pastor too so like they're both used to being in the spotlight and to just kind of catering to the people i'm sure when people saw them in public they were just ecstatic right so acting for the crowd oh 100 percent and looking like the ever happy couple. So they head home around two o'clock in the morning. And the streets are completely desert, deserted. And D'Souza remembers while she's in the car and they're driving home that a motorcycle like shows up next to them. Oh, and then before that, I don't know if you read that part. They banged on the hood of the car. <laughs> Maybe I read Fun it and fact. just didn't want to think about oh, okay. it with her her child. Oh, I'm sorry, groom. Oh God. By bang, you mean like they got freaky. we're humping buddies? Yeah. On, on the, the hood, hood of the car, car in some <laughs> random parking lot. At two in the morning. Yeah. Well. Two preachers. Right. <laughs> Just saying. Shouting to God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. That. <laughs> right there. Oh, we're all going to hell. So, anyway, <laughs> they go. They see this motorcycle, drives up, then disappears, shows up next to them per her story. They then pull up to the house and no one's around. They kind of lived on like a dead-end street. So they lived in a gated community. So the articles that I read said that it was very much like a middle class, not necessarily upper end, but they had a gate. So they go inside the gate. Um, Sorry, fun fact. At this point, they were bringing in 20000 uh, was it dollars? Money. 20000 yeah. money a month to where an average person brought home 500 money a month because people are just throwing money. i mean it's just ridiculous okay so they're living very high and mighty they go through the gates of their home they're at the driveway entrance she pops out of the car slips off her shoes so she can climb the stairs and then she apparently yells out at the husband to tell him to make sure that the gates are closed because he was sitting in the car sending off some last minute emails at two for whatever time in the morning because they oh so they headed home at two but they finally get home. He's sending off emails at two in the morning to staff. Like, what the heck does that mean? Like, who's sending emails? If you get an email from me at two in the morning, ignore it, Vina. It makes no sense. Okay. So anyway. If you get an email from me at two in the morning, I'm probably at my most awake. <laughs> I've been there. It was a text message, but I've been there. We had a great conversation. Here are my creative thoughts for the night. It was, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I think, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am half awake. I cannot have this conversation with you. Well, and then it was funny because then I wake up and he's like, I'm half awake. I have to go to bed. And I'm like, we are living de separate lives. This is not going to work out. But look at us go. We're doing great today. <laughs> so anyway, so he's sending off last minute emails. She said that she goes in the house, checks on the kids. That's her normal nightly routine. When she passes one of the doors of the kid's house, you know, one of the 55, apparently, she sees lights on. So she goes in to talk to this child. While she's in the room, she all of a sudden hears gunshots and screaming. And so apparently at this time outside, the husband has been shot. And the two kids, two of them, I don't know if they were adopted or otherwise, are putting his bloodied body into the back of the car and trying to take him to the hospital. So she follows, but by the time that she arrives, he's dead. And in the autopsy, the coroners found that there were 30 bullet holes in his body, and many of them were con concentrated around his groin. We'll come back to that as well. Hey, right? crazy. If that's not a sign from Jesus, right? Then, <laughs> so I he's mean, forty. Somebody in the groin. <laughs> it's intense. So he's well, after they hump on the car. It's fine. Okay, so he's 42 years old at the time of this, which means that she's 50, 58, 60. Yeah. She's 16 years older. Yeah, so 58. So. She actually, all the pictures that I saw, she looked on the younger side like she did not look 60. 
Even in 2023 during her trial, yeah, she does not look that old. She actually has aged very well, surprisingly enough. So as this investigation kind of unfolds, they find that the scene was attempted to be staged to look like a robbery gone wrong. But as they go through it, they start to find all of these different things. And it's actually found that one of her Sousa's biological sons, Favio, and one of her adopted sons, Lucas, were arrested hours after the killing. So, I mean, it was super quick. Like, guy gets shot, dies, cops are there, kids are arrested. It was that fast. And which is, you know, in comparison to other stories that we've told, it's kind of surprising because here's this very affluent couple, so to speak, and the fact that it went that quickly from them arresting the kids, it just seems insane. So he has an open casket. They say that uh, she's just the ever-grieving widow, just inconsolable, crying her little eyes out. But when the boys are actually interrogated, Flavio originally tells the police that he fired six shots at his stepdad. But he later recants that statement. And then Lucas, the other one, confessed to buying the murder weapon. So they go to trial. They're both found guilty. Flavio gets 33 years for pulling the trigger. And Lucas is sentenced to seven years for buying the weapon. But his sentence is reduced because he cooperated with the police. Did he ever give a reason? What was his motive? Yes. So that this is what's so complicated about this. Because those two boys are arrested. Then eventually she's arrested. And a daughter is arrested. So we have... And then another... Two children, I believe, are also arrested but acquitted. So we have a whole number of this family working together, and all of these cases are kind of building on each other because, like, one pulled the trigger, one well, bought the weapon. Once they started interviewing the kids, the kids started telling. And so instead of just interviewing uh, the, the guys who were, like, half-ass involved, they interviewed everybody. And there's 55 of them. And everybody had something to say. Right. Such as? Well, so some of the evidence that they used in the trial and some of the reasons for this is that one of the things that they talked about, one of the adopted children said that the couples would fight about money all the time. And so they were constantly fighting over who controlled the money. So apparently the stepdad, Anderson, he would keep more of the money because he had to pay the bills and he was keeping up the house while she was out being a star and being a congresswoman and all this other stuff. And then she would keep all of the other money for her own personal, personal use. So he's keeping money to lock down the house. She's taking money to spend it on God knows what. God does know what. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> Literally. Preach. So the other thing that they, that as it came out, is that she stated that she was raped and abused and everyone was abused and physically, sexually abused by Anderson. And so the kids actually targeted the groin and were trying to protect her as well as everybody else from his overbearing financial control as well as his abuse. His sexual abuse. Right. There's Did nothing the, documented was on there, that. So there was no collaboration? No. So then as she goes to trial, we actually find out that... She had tried to kill him six different times by poisoning him with cyanide and failed. And because she failed six different times, with the help of the children, mind you, she's bringing them in as co-conspirators, and they're well aware that they're trying to kill this guy together. She then decides that she's going to plan the shooting murder instead because the cyanide wasn't working. Yeah, he went to the hospital six times with, like, uh, throwing a, you know, upset stomach, all fucked up, and they keep saving him. And then you just answer Did they determine it was cyanide at that point or no? There's enough evidence that she actually gets convicted of six attempts of cyanide. So, yes, I would assume that there's enough proof that this is happening. But did no. they tell Anderson, dude? Oh, no. <laughs> we think this was cyanide and you may want to change your life. Well, we have to think, too. So we're talking throughout a period of time. I and mean, we're starting in like, I mean, she was born in the 19... 19- 60s, I think. 60s, right? All the way she's meeting him in the 1990s. So, I mean, they probably weren't testing for stuff like that. Like, cyanide poisoning in the early 90s yeah, was super really popular. it doesn't tell you when. No. When he went to the hospital. Well, and now cyanide is, like, flavorful, right? Because, I mean, that was, like, a whole thing. Like, antifreeze is also flavorful because everyone was poisoning trying to husband. poison people. Right. So, I think it was just kind of popular. He didn't have enough evidence and people probably thought he had stomach ulcers from being in such a position of power and it would have probably looked the same way 
So I think that she, if I remember correctly, was it, the cyanide whole thing, the whole cyanide thing was found out because the kids ratted her out. Okay. So throughout her trial, she maintained that she loved her husband and denied that she had any involvement in it. But uh, she played the victim the whole time. hundred percent. Oh my God. I didn't know how, my kids were doing this. How could this, this happen to me? Right. And she was very upset. And ironically, while she's sitting in court getting sentenced to 50 years of, you know, 60, 50 years in jail because of the murder, her new boyfriend was sitting there crying un- uncontrollably. I'm hoping that this uh, guy was at least uh, legal of legal age. I don't know who the new boyfriend is. Was he also a child? I, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, probably. And so. then at this point, I mean, granted, all the children are pretty much adults. Like the the one who bought the gun, he was 18. The one who shot was like 30. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. the older biological child. Yeah. So she had him when, in 1993. So, you know, last year he'd be at least 30 something. So they also said that of the 55 kids, they ranged anywhere from like being itty bitty toddlers to being 40 years old. And they all lived in that house. That's how creepy this situation is. Okay. Fun fact. You mentioned before on like how she would feed the kid or, you know, how, how she had enough money in the beginning. She didn't. When, when it all first started out, she had the kids dig through the garbage cans, through the dumpsters behind restaurants so the, the only thing that the kids would could eat is the stuff they found. That was the food issue. And then once once they were interviewing the children, the children pretty much confessed that there was a system established in the household where the older kids were assigned younger kids that they would take care of, so on and so forth. There was a list established? Yeah, yeah. The older like kids w- w- would take care of the younger kids. And, you know, the less... The less time you had in the family, the less shit you had coming. And there was no love, affection from the mother dearest. She would fucking, she would show up and kind of like glance at them. And like, essentially the way they talked about it is like she was making her own little cult, her own little army. And she would, there was like really extreme things that were going on in the house. Like she would punish him. She would lock him in a room for 21 days to repent for whatever fuck they did and the only reason the door would open is to slide you know some food in there and close it again and you know she she had them refer to her as this saint-like person and carry her and you know in such a way it was almost like a cult of mm-hmm. like charles manson or something where you know she was this being and they right. were just the kids were just following her and they talked about the kids actual parents trying to reach him and she wouldn't. Yeah, let them. Yeah, she wouldn't let him communicate, and she'd get the phone and hang up, and she would talk to the kids like, "You don't need those parents. I am, you know, your only one. I'm the divine." And which is typically abusive behavior. I mean, isolate them, make them need you, make them fight for your attention and your right love. A uh, creation of codependency. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you know to think back to all these stories where she converted the gang and got away from the gangs and. All these people that, you know, would beat the shit out of you in the street for no reason. She was just like, oh, everything's fine. So what was she preaching to them the word of God or was she like offering them stuff? Like, Or was she the cartel leader that yeah. no one really talked about? And then and there was also talk about sexual abuse and pimping out the kids to other church members and so on and so forth. There's a, there was a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah, really, what was her motivation in the first place to even start this? That's what you have to ask yourself. If you couldn't afford it, and you're not just like some millionaire that can just feed these kids and take good care of them, what was your motivation? Money. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not at first, right? Because she didn't necessarily get money until she started to like get more notoriety. Yeah. Which publicity. She, yeah. Which she fed into and, you know, expanded on. So it makes you think, was this her plan all along? Was it worth taking, having them dig through the garbage and get them through those first couple of years to try to because she was always looking to take you those steps. You know, that's steps. a good question. I, that I don't know. Or maybe she adopted the gang we, uh, men, mental state where, you know, we get all these kids in. They're going to work for us. They're going to bring us money. They're going to bring us food. Right. What if she just saw the gangs doing that and was like, this is something I can manipulate too? Right. This is a system that I could utilize. Mm-hmm. When did the allegations of the children being pimped out to the church members, did that come during her trial? I think it was during the interviews and stuff with the kids. I think the kids just kind of said, I don't know if it was during the trial or if it, sh- it was just something like during that, the investigation. That, that they said. Yeah. 
So the kids kind of just spilled the beans because once you break that trust and loyalty and that isolation, kids are going to talk. Right. So how many years for his murder did she get? She got 50 years and she was 50 years in a couple days. She was 61 at the time she was convicted. And actually, because she was part of Congress, she had parliamentary immunity. Diplomatic immunity. And they actually revoked it in June of 2021. By an overwhelming vote to expel her. And because of that, they were able to carry on with the trial, which is kind of interesting. So they waited for that to happen. Well, they had to. And then Congress was like, yeah, sure, take her. And they voted and kicked her out. And she was, you know, up to. So St. Teresa was not such a saint after all. <laughs> right. So funny enough, the court is quoted as saying that the length of her sentence reflects reflected the hatred, cold-bloodedness, and res- and disrespect for human life as she had demonstrated by having her husband shot dead in the home that she shared with the m- dozens of children that she had adopted. Right. She plans to appeal that conviction. And then as we talked about, so the two sons got 33 and 7 years, and then the biological daughter was also found guilty of involvement in all of this situation, and she was sentenced to 31 years. Where'd you get the cyanide? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where cyanide comes from. Did we not give you enough? <laughs> I, Are you not so in the yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I didn't look up the cyanide. But, you know, it's funny because, like, there's classic murder lists, right? Like, if someone gets cyanide, your NSA agent should be on their ass. Like, if someone goes to Walmart and buys black uh, garbage bags, duct tape, plastic for the floor, right? A shovel. We should be just keying in on them. Right. Okay. All right. So this was our mommy dearest. Yep. Florida Reese. And she was uh, definitely out the not children. a saint. I'd like to cite this YouTube video, which I got a lot of my stuff from. Florida Lise Dos Santos, her name. But it's by Not the Good Girl. And it's a 40-minute video. And it has a lot of good stuff in it. So if you liked our story, it's worth watching that video. I'm so glad you did that. I would like to cite that I used the BBC.com, the Guardian that covered her trial in multiple parts as it was going on, and I also used the New Yorker. Okay. All right. So that is what we have for you tonight on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Go like, comment, share. Tell us your opinions about Mommy Dearest. Do you think that – why was she doing this? What do you guys think? Where do you want them to go? Facebook. Facebook. You just, just Facebook? Said that. Yeah, we didn't say the I'm, Facebook I was getting name. there. Okay. Oh, I oh. I don't have Facebook, so I'm the horrible person to do this. I haven't even seen our Facebook page. I have to see Brutus in person. I'm like, can I see our Facebook page? Do people like me? <laughs> our, <laughs> I don't even have social our media. Our Facebook page. <laughs> All right. The Facebook yes, name Facebook. is where the dark corners are. That would be our email address as well. As well. So if you have a topic. Gmail.com. Correct. And so if you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, and Mommy Dearest, maybe down the line, that you'd like to hear about, send us a request at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Corners is plural. Final thoughts, Samantha? I, I don't know. This woman is just bananas. And I just, I thought it was really interesting to see that she got away with this for so long. I thought it was interesting to see that she was able to have like a child groom and no one said anything. I thought it was interesting to see how she hid behind her popularity. And like, it just, it's another televangelical person that ended up being a horrible person. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like I've really learned if people are on TV, don't listen to their prophecies. (laughs) Pull over. Yeah, I like it. Don't. Trust what people tell you. I mean, use your brain. See, you know, take everything into account and don't just go by somebody's word, especially if it's religious. Well, and I think this is a this is a really good example that power does corrupt all. Like the more power she got, the worse she got. But it also just shows you about, you know, following someone blindly. Like I, I still think that that was just crazy. Like no one could see her for who she was. Like that's where the whole, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not type of vibe going. And, you know, no one really questioned it. I think that's crazy. And we never asked this. Final thoughts, Vina? Oh, <laughs> oh, how the turns have tabled. I, I'm like, I don't think we've ever asked her. We how need to ask her more often. <laughs> I liked it. I, go, I saw what you did there. The whole podcast is my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> we had thoughts. Now we're putting you on the spot. We want to hear it. What are they? 
mine are this lady. I mean, sincerely, some sort of social services should have been involved to confirm that the children were getting the attention and all their needs met. I think that speaks to where they were and the condition of the neighborhood that they were living in. They probably didn't have those services. Well, no. I mean, and if you have St. Teresa taking care of your job. Oh, you're, you're like, like thank God. Yeah, exactly. Later. So, I think this lady fell into the cracks, but she's also a representative of a lot of the bullshit that happens here. I mean, in every country, if you think about it. 100%. All right. So until next oh, time. I was like, you were going to ask me for oh. more final thoughts. Oh, I was, I was really like, hoping oh you God. were going to say the ending. It sounded like you started what? it. What? Oh. So until, until next time, time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is where we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. So, um, you know. All right. Try. To be quiet. <laughs> I was a little scared. <laughs> Chewy, hide. She's going to get you. I don't think I want to talk anymore. <laughs> I, I want to go home. <laughs> the collator is angry. <laughs> because there's like a fine line between holy speaking in tongues and exorcism. You want to start that again? What? He coughed in the middle of oh, your... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. oh. yeah. There's like a fine <laughs> line. Are you starting this shit again, <laughs> Sam? It's like, what did I do? I... I wasn't going to tangent back into religion, like, please. Girl. <laughs> and notice. you just kept on talking. <laughs> I just, I'm, okay, I'm a mom of three. I'm very good at <laughs> swerving and ignoring. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was just, so, hold on. How much do I need to start over? You left it all in the last episode so, when I repeated myself uh, yeah. three times. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, what were we talking about? You said there's a fine line. Oh, Divine healing speaking about in speaking in tongues. Yeah, so... And that was. Shh. Shh. Shake the rule out of him. That'll get him. Is it it every time I talk? He loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until you tried to bite your face off one day. That was. (laughs) Knock it off. (laughs) Please don't hit us, Vina. I was just joking. (laughs) I'm doing my best. I should have researched the children. Um.